God is good. All the time. God is good. All the time. Are you sure? Praise the Lord. I just, I just like to remind all of us, and it is important for us to declare and that affirm that He is good. Because I, in it, it, I, I believe one of our main struggles in this life is really living and affirming that He is a good, He is the good God. He is good all the time. Even when things look difficult, we know His plans are perfect. His ways are good. We know we are in His hands. He is good. Amen. Now, I just want to uh, begin by saying something has, has been in my heart for a uh, number of weeks. And actually, I wrote in my, I have a number of journals on one of my notes. This is a cute one that I got. I wrote a few days, a number of weeks ago, what does a child of God look like in times like this? How shall, us, how shall sons, of, sons and daughters of God live in times of like this? What does a real child of God look like? The question has been really in my mind. What does really a Christian, a child of God look like in these days? This has been in my heart for a while. And I know a number of our, our leaders are going through a book by Francis Chan, The Letters to the Church. We are really looking into what authentic real church, the biblical church, look like. We are talking about that, but one of the questions that I'm thinking about is what does a genuine Christian look like. You know, Pastor Mimi reminds me, my wife reminds me that I have a very unique memory. I only remember certain things I like. I remember what sermons I gave, when I gave, what slides I put up, kind of things. I don't remember anything. I don't know what I ate yesterday. I don't know anything else, but I know those kind of things. I remember a number of, a number of years ago, some of you may remember, I began a series of, I did a series of messages called Radical. I had a gray and black uh, uh, pick that I started with and went through probably about six, seven months on the Gospel of Matthew, I believe. Went through and talked about radical. And because I was thinking about Christians as being radical. Now, I realize this is six, seven years later. You don't want to use the word radical anymore. Radical means political. If you're a radical Christian, probably people may think you are a political Christian. And so there are different things. I was thinking about some words. Word, word, what words would describe a Christian? Authentic? True? Normal? Original? Because I think each one, when you think about it, what does a genuine Christian look like? You're saying there are fake Christians out there. Who does Who is not really genuine? When you say normal Christian, that means there must be abnormal Christian people out there who are, are not really Christians, whatever it might be. When you say radical, that means uh, some, some, some Christians, the Christians are supposed to be radical or extreme in certain ways, different from this world. Probably the best word I can think about is even more than even authentic, original, what does a biblical Christian Look like. What does a Christian uh, is as described in the Bible as? Now, uh, I thought about different things, and you know, actually, something interesting happened this week, in the past week. You know, what, and, uh, we were praying in, a, in, in our morning prayer, after morning prayer. There was a little 
hut that was set out, set, built outside in the parking lot by the Messianic Jewish congregation here called Sukkot. This is what, when they live under the hut for a week to remember what God has done, how God you know, really rescued Israelites out of Egypt, how, they let, how they, God led them through the wilderness. So they have Sukkot for a week. They you know, so symbolically and live in that thing, supposedly to remember what God has done for them. In the Sukkot, one of the mornings, after morning prayer, one of our guys who come to morning prayer saw somebody in there, sleeping in this, you know, the, the hut outside. It's cold. There's nothing out there but just a little shack. And he felt bad and talked with the guy and, and, you know, and found that he's homeless. And, and so I remember we, we were talking about this thing. What do you do? I'll be very honest. I wasn't, I don't think I was, was really Christian in my action. I was worrying about what if, how, you know, what, I was worried, I was worried about what I cannot do rather than what I could do. You know, and I remember um, this person who found him said, you know, I think, I think he needs a shower. Rather than thinking, maybe I can take him to my home to get a shower, like, I cannot bring him to my home. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what kind of, whether he has COVID-19 or not. I don't know. A lot of fear was in my heart and worried about in me than anything else. But the person, the person who found him, worried about him, and the next day he came and brought a bag of things, toothbrush and all kind of things for the guy. Actually, on the day when he found him, he didn't have a jacket, so he actually took up his jacket and gave it to him. His jacket that he was wearing, he gave it to him. And, and so this whole week, so we were talking, we were talking, and he talked with the person, found out that he lost his job. He got laid off because of you know, COVID-19. He's now in the midst of training to another job. He has no home. He has to go for the housing lined up at the end of October and figuring out that he was spending time with him. What I saw him was living like a Christian. I was so ashamed in my heart. You know, rather than feeling right, right heart for a person in need, I was worrying about how do I know this guy is not just scamming things? How do I know this guy is not just making things up? All kind of fears in my mind, rather than thinking about what Christ should do. The question, that's the question. What does a genuine Christian look like in this life? You see, so the, for me, best answer is you go back to the Bible and see what God says. And as I look at the Bible, I realize one of, one of the first things Jesus did when he began his pub, public ministry, he came to save the world. You know, one of the first things he did, main thing he did, was not just go and preach and heal the sick. He did all those. One of the first things he did, and the thing he spent most time on us, he called people to follow him. And Jesus went out and, and found the two fishermen and said, come, follow me. Literally, in Matthew chapter 4, they literally dropped everything and stopped following Christ. And you see how Jesus went and preached the gospel, healed the sick. Thousands of thousands of people come. Maybe tens of thousands will come to eat the bread and the, the fish that was multiplied. But there are few people who will follow him who became followers of Christ. I was, I was thinking about this. How many followers do you have in your Facebook? One of my goals is to have 3,000. I, I think I'm 2,400 something. My, one of my goals is having 3,000 you know, people that who are my friends. You know, you know what I mean? And the thing is, a lot of them, I don't even know who they are. 
And people, you may have a lot of followers in Instagram and things who, who may have not be any way related to you, who are not never thinking about you anything. They who, who may, I don't know why they're, your, they're follow, your followers, but that's not what Bible is talking about. The followers here are those who will drop everything and follow Christ. Follow Christ. Long introduction here. See, this is what I'm thinking about. Authentic Christian, real Christian. True, what does true, true Christian look like? How, how, what does that person look like? Here is in Matthew chapter 4. Uh, now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. You see, the first call every Christian experiences is a call to abandon the attachments of this world. You're called to let go of things that's holding you back to follow Christ. You see, in a, and I, remember, I remember a number of years ago, Pastor Mim spoke a commitment, the cause of discipleship is out of Luke chapter 14. In, in the passage it says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What I'm trying to do, this is still my introduction. What I'm trying to get really is, a Christian is one who follows Christ. One who follows after Christ. That's what a Christian is. When I look at the scriptures, yeah, there were people who came to Jesus to be healed. They still came for miracles and teachings. But those who he called, who are following, those who are with Christ are those, are those who have accepted the call to follow him. Following Christ. Are you following Christ? That determines what Christian is. This is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a uh, German theologians in the time of uh, World War II and Nazi regime who thought as a Christian he has to, he has to get rid of this evil dictator that, you know, Hitler, and he tried to assassinate Hitler and he was I think, caught and he was, he was executed. Good Christian theology. He struggled. What does it mean to be a Christian in that place like that? Because German church at the time, a lot of church came into government and they followed the, the way of the government and, and the Nazi regime, and they were part of that killing and exterminating Jews. There about some Christians who said, this is not right, who stood up against it. He was one of those. He said, when Christ calls a man, a person, he bids him to come and die. How different is this from American Christianity? A lot of people think, I come to God because He will bless me. He will give me the things I need. We talk about prosperity, the gospel. This is not what the Bible talks about, is it? At all. Very different. Today's text is really from Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 to 12. The attitude. I don't think I'll be able to go through the whole passage. I'm going to hit very quick points here. There's so much things I hear. 
Because I, I, you know, in, in midst of asking this question, what does it mean to be an authentic Christian? What does an authentic Christian look like? God was reminded, reminding me the Beatitudes, giving me a glimpse of what a Christian heart is like. Let me pray. Father, we just love you, honor you. We ask you to be here. We want to know your heart. We want to follow you. We want to be what you call us to be. We love you, God. We are yours. We honor you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. I may be just only doing introduction today. Let me just, I need to say one more thing before, my, before I begin my message, okay? This is the longest introduction I've done in many, many days. Even the word we use, Christian, we, we got it wrong. In, in, originally, when they use the word, when they call believers or Christians in chapter 11 of Book of Acts, it was a derogatory term made of two words, one Greek, one one Latin word, and actually it was, you know, Christ, Anos, Christ is, you know, Christ, Anos is a slave, one who belongs to. So Christian meant somebody who, who is slave of Christ. Christian is somebody who belongs to Christ. They were calling Christians and people, believers as Christian, sort of like derogatory term. Now we think Christians are those who adhere to some of the beliefs of, of, of a church. No, Christian is one who is slave, who is, belongs to Jesus Christ. And even the name, I think, tells us what we, what a Christian is supposed to be. Let me go on. Let's, uh, let me just read this quickly. Matthew 5, verse 1 through 12. If you have your Bible, you can follow along with me, or you can look at the screen. I have, I have to put the scriptures up there. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up. On the mountain, after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, those who weep, for theirs they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. What are you hungry and thirsty about? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Isn't the word powerful? If you flip the word, it says, if you don't see God, it might be because your heart is not pure. Blessed are pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Surely. Martin Luther King Jr. will be called a son of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Look at what it says. Blessed are you when people exalt, insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, or be exceedingly glad. For your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted 
the prophets who are before you. Aren't those beautiful words? And even many who are not Christians know this passage. And, they, and, and I think many are amazed on this beauty and the truth in this passage. And, you know, you know, and even non-Christians will say this is amazing and they will admit. For us as Christians, there's a whole lot more here, more than just beautiful things. And let, let me, since uh, uh, due to time, I want to just hit three things, very simple three things. Let me begin by asking one question. Who was Jesus talking to? Who was Jesus talking to here? You know, this is a very important question. Who he was talking to makes all the difference in the world. Why? Because if you look at the text, right? In the passage, when Jesus saw the crowds, a lot of people are coming. Because you, you find after Jesus called his, some of the people to follow him, he went out preaching and wherever he went, proclaimed the kingdom of God, and he healed the sick. Everybody who was sick who, sick, who, sick who came to him, he healed them and cast the demons, demonstrating the power of God and the kingdom of God. And many, many were following him. Many, many came to hear him and see him. Who will go away next day, that afternoon. And he went up to the mountain. After he sat down, his disciples came to him. His disciples, whom he called, came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them. Who is he talking to? Very good question to think about this. Who is he talking to? Because I think the another question is, if you think about it, is Jesus, in a, I, I wish I was there at the time. Because often, you know, when you read a, a verse in the scripture, anything, you do not, often you don't feel what it says. If I was there, if you can hear what Jesus, Jesus speaking, if Jesus said, very tenderly, blessed are you. You know, he's encouraging those who are struggling. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. It's different from, blessed are you when you're persecuted. Two different things. One is, I want to encourage you for this, what's happening to you. You are blessed even in those times. The other is, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to become. Or this is your command. I, need to, I want you to do this thing. What is, this is the question you're asking. What is this? Who is Jesus talking to? You know, this is true in our, even in our church. You know, we are, we are live streaming because we are hoping that others who are not even within our church, who may not, more than the people in our church who are worshiping online, maybe others may be able to join in. And as I share God's word here, I'm speaking to you first. So, of course, those in our, our hope members in the church at, at home as well, I'm talking to you first. That you will hear what God is saying. And I want, we want, want everybody else to come and hear what God is saying. But I'm speaking to you first. You know what I'm telling you. I believe Jesus is speaking to the, those are following. And those followers, Jesus called. He's speaking to them first. He's really saying to them, this is who you are becoming. This is what, this is what I'm making you to be. He's describing his disciples who they are. Or becoming or experiencing. He, oh, he, rather than prescribing what they must do, but what they are becoming, what God is making them to be, how God is working in them. More of a follower of Christ is who he is becoming. 
Second thing is this. Let's look at this quickly. It says, blessed are those, or happy are those, or this another version said, fortunate are those. I bet you the words, the words he just mentioned are the, not the words we think about as blessing. This is something that I found a long time ago. This is a happy words. You know, I typed to the Google search, happy words. Okay, this, this is a picture of happy words. Look at things in there. Family, strength, success, stress-free, feeling important, being loved. All these are happy words. This is what we think happy or blessed is. Loving, love, health, no regrets, feeling beautiful, carefree, house, responsible, all these things. But Jesus said, blessed are those. What does he say? Poor in spirit. Actually, even in Luke's gospel, actually, it literally says, blessed are the poor. Not even spirit, blessed are the poor. And he said, blessed are you who are weeping. And literally he says, blessed are you. These are not the happy words we think about, is it? Look at this a little bit. Look at this quality Jesus is talking about. Blessed are those. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the gentle or the meek. Blessed are those hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Are, you, are we merciful? I don't think we are a very merciful generation these days. When I look at social media, when we are not merciful. We are biting each other. We are going after one another, each other. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Isn't that convicting? Blessed are the peacemakers. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Blessed are you, those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Last night I was rereading one of my favorite books that I was, which so rocked my life last fall, Insanity of God. I was reading the portions about Chinese Christians and how he was in this author is interviewing Chinese Christians under Chinese Christians, underground church Christians who are being persecuted, the leaders and how he was talking with them. Some of the things that they think really rocked my heart, you know, and how they're going through it. I mean, I mean I, one of the things that just just, you know, I could go on and talk about the book, but one of the things that really grabbed me last night as I reread some of the chapters. He was sharing, you know, he was meeting this 170 underground church leaders in China a number of years ago. About 40% of, 40 of already went to jail for a number of years and they came out. And they said, they were saying, 60% of us will go to jail sometime. Could you teach, teach us how to prepare for it? In the midst of all that, um, and, and they, they, I mean, this Christian, they, 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 they said, are there Christians in the world or Christians only in China? They didn't know there were Christians outside of China. Some of them said, oh, there are Christians outside of China. And many of them know you are here as well. And they asked, are the Christians being persecuted as we are? And he told them about Christians being persecuted in places like Somalia and many else. And they were just became silent. They didn't say anything. He thought, you know, he thought something was wrong and just nothing else to speak. Next morning, early in the morning, he woke up because of screaming and yelling going on. 
about five or six in the morning. He woke up and he went, ah, what's going on? His translator, David, somebody, I think David Chan, I think was there. That's his not his name anyway, was there. What's going on? He said, listen, I don't speak Chinese, but listen anyway. And I said, he picked up the name Somali because the night before he talked about how Christian Somalia was uh, suffering. He said, last night after you shared that Christians were suffering in different places, they decided, they vowed, they would take, get up on hour early every morning to pay for Christians that are suffering in the world. They're out there in the morning crying out for people that are suffering in the world, even though they were suffering themselves. I don't know why I'm getting emotional about this. Blessed are those that are persecuted. Very different from the way we focus on it. But this is a kicker. This is something that I found, uh, my, my, one of my favorite authors these days, um, Francis Chen. It's impossible to be a disciple or follow up someone and not end up like that person. Jesus said, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who, everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. That's the whole point of being a disciple or follower of Jesus. We imitate him, carry on his ministry, and become like him in the process. Look at what it says. The next prayer. This is what got me. Yet, somehow many have come to believe that a person can be a Christian without becoming, being like Christ. A follower who doesn't follow. How does that happen? How does it make sense? You see, Christian is one who follows Christ, and when you follow someone, you become like the person. And how can it be that you, you want to be a Christian, you want to be a called Christian, not become like he, the one we are following? How can you say we are Christian when you do not want to follow? Somehow we think I'm a Christian because I say I believe, I, I'm a member of a church. Whether they follow in Christ, that's not a Christian. Rock my heart. And see, when I look at this, this uh, Jesus is saying, those who follow me, those who obey me, those who come after me, you're going to have heart like this. This is what you're becoming. More than things in the world, you'll be hungry, thirsting for righteousness. You'll be peacemakers. You will be poor in spirit, not rich in the things of the world. You will be mourning for the thing that breaks God's heart. And you will rejoice even in persecution for Christ's sake. You will delight, even delight in those things. That's what Christ says. If you follow me, if, you are, if you're coming up to me, this is what I'm making you to be. This is what you're becoming. This speaks of the character, the heart of God, heart of Christ, the kingdom heart he's building in us. Amen? I need, let me take a breather here. I didn't breathe for two minutes. You know, I'm excited here. God is good. Let the word speak. Let the word speak to us. Blessed are the points. Blessed are those who mourn. You know, this is a season where we as Christians must be mourning for our nation. Mourning because what's happening in our nation. This COVID-19 last six months also revealed what is in our heart, in our nation. It revealed our simple heart that does not love our neighbor as ourselves. 
It reveals the divisiveness in our nation. It reveals the things in us, a lot of things. We must be mourning for this nation and the people. Let me ask you a simple question. How would you rate yourself on each of these qualities? Poor in spirit? Mourn? Meek? Spiritual hunger? Merciful? Pure in heart? In pure in heart, somebody wrote, I am completely honest with God and others. I don't have to put on a false front or pretend to be something I am not. My life is marked with openness and integrity. What about peacemaker? I work hard to keep channels of communication open with others. Rather than allowing anger and conflict to fester, I deal with them constructively. I help those around me work out their differences without hurting one another. Persecution. I know for whom and for what I am living. And for this I am willing to suffer. And if it be, need be, stand alone for what is right. I can take criticisms without re reacting defensively or feeling self-pity. How are you doing in this thing? It reveals our heart, what we, are, what we are like. Are we becoming more like Christ? Are we becoming like what Christ called us to be? Finally, one more thing. I like this section. Rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. That's what Jesus says. Well, look what it says. Blessed are you. Remember here, before it says, blessed are those. Now it says, blessed are you. When people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Not because you're stupid, but because of Christ. This is important. Sometimes we get yelled at because we are stupid. Not because we are, it's for Christ. Rejoice and be glad. Be exceedingly glad. New King James Version says that way. For your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are you, Jesus says. Blessed are you. Those are following up to me. You see, when, when Matthew, Apostle Matthew wrote this gospel, a lot of Christians in the first century were being persecuted. They are risking their lives to follow Christ. And as he wrote this gospel and as he listened to that gospel, they were being comforted. When you're persecuted for Christ, I want you to rejoice. Blessed are you. What does he say? He said, you know, in the verses, it, verse it says, we look at, blessed are you when, not if, when people insult you. Here, you see, when, not if. If you follow Christ, those, the word that killed our Lord Jesus, you will not, you will, you expect to be persecuted. You expect to be misaligned when you follow Christ. Faithfully. In this world you'll have tribulation, Jesus said. Be rejoiced because I've overcome them. Amen. He said, reward is in heaven. Is, my, is the reward I'm looking for on this earth, or am I looking for reward in heaven? If I'm looking for reward on earth, 
I'm, I'm living for earth, things of the earth. He said, your reward in heaven is great. Not only, in a, so I, I did a little bit. If you look at this fairy tale with those eight blessings, right? Eight beatitudes, right? If you look at it, first and the last one has promised, theirs is a kingdom of heaven. And in the middle, six of them, it says, they shall be comforted, they shall inherit the earth, they shall be satisfied, they shall receive mercy, they shall see God, for they shall be called sons of God. But front and the end, they are sandwiched between theirs is kingdom of heaven. These are people who belong to heaven. This is a character of people who belong to heaven and kingdom of God. You see, you are blessed, Jesus says. And, and this, um, this is what is amazing to me. Said, I mean, let me go back. It says, Rejoice because, let me get the verse right. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are being treated like the prophets who suffer for God. You have, you're going to, you, are, you have prophets reward. You, not, you have reward as prophets who stood before God and spoke God's word and who were faithful to God. Their blessing, prophets reward is yours. Blessed are you. This is my last queen. I'm going to praise him. Come. It says in Acts chapter 5, verse 40 to 41, when the apostles were preaching the gospel and they were um, persecuted by the Jewish authorities, they took his, uh, you know, they're talking about Sennheim, they took his advice and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and they released them. So then, so they went on their way from the presence of the council the apostles who are flogged, who are prisoned, who are flogged, who are threatened, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. Shame, suffer, shame for his name. This is how early church, the followers of Christ, knew what it means to follow Christ. You see, he is building in us. Our God is building in us as we follow him, as we follow after God, as we obey his ways, as we go. He is building in us. He is creating in us. This is what we are becoming. Isn't this so attractive and beautiful? You see, humility is beautiful. Arrogance is stinky. Really. Arrogance is not beautiful at all. Meek is beautiful. Peacemakers are beautiful. Aren't they attractive? And when the world sees that character, heaven, heaven's character in us, they will be attracted to Christ. When you rejoice, even through suffering, even through persecution, they will see heaven in us. Because we belong to Christ. We are followers of Christ. Becoming more like him. Being transformed into image of Rejoice. This is a kingdom heart. This is Christ's heart that God is building. Jesus said, come. It was amazing how Ephraim heard the voice of God. 
the scripture we read as he began the prayer was come to me. Jesus says, all of you are worried and all of you who are weary and heavy burden. And even Miss Veronica's message for children was about suffering for Christ. And will you follow Christ even if it's difficult? And talked about how Peter in fear failed. But you know, she'll talk about how Christ restores him later. But about following Christ means sometimes mean means being persecuted. What does it mean to be a child of God, a Christian? One who follows Christ. One who obeys him. As we do that, we become more and more like him. Where are you? Where is your heart? Are you becoming more like him? Has our view on blessedness, has our mind been renewed by his word? That we look for heaven's reward. We seek God's blessing rather than the earthly things. He is inviting us to come, to follow him. Look to him, the one who is worthy of all our allegiance, one who is worthy and glorious, beautiful. Amen? Let's just stand. He says, come, come and follow me. I'll make your fishes a man. Let us sing a praise together. He is here. He is in our midst. Just as he promised, if two or three gather in his name, he'll be in our midst. In our special presence, he's here. He's here right now. Father God, our longing and desire is that we may follow you. We may be more like you in every way. Father God, we want to be more like you. We want our lives to be a declaration and a sign and proclamation to the world that you live in us, that you are with us. We belong to you, our God. We want to be the light of the world and salt of the earth. You call us to be. That our lives will declare your beauty and glory. You call us to follow you. You call us to be near God. How can it not become more like you when you draw near? God, we, when you look unto you, we become more like you, God. So God, we come and say, we want more of you. Draw near, God. We set our hearts to seek after you. We want your name to be lifted up in this nation. The people to see God who delights in us, God who loves us, God who forgives us, ready to forgive us, God who heals and restores all things. So we come today. Draw us closer, God. Help us to follow you. If we had any other thoughts, somehow we can sit and do nothing, and somehow say we are Christian. No, Father, we want to follow you. We want to be what you call us to be of passionate lovers and followers of Christ Jesus our Lord. We are yours to honor you, God. Let your glory come. We honor, we give you glory. Now I want to invite you, if you need any prayers, you need peace, you need joy and strength, if you need for some prayers, maybe hear the gospel and you will come to know Christ. I want to invite you to come to the prayer room 
you have to see the link to be able to join us in prayer and, and into the Zoom. And even those right here in the service, I want to I want to invite you into his presence. Not to me to lay hands on you, but for his presence to fall upon you. And he who loves us, who will die for us, he is who is in our midst. Let him work in your heart today. Remind us, remind you how blessed you are. Remind you how you, you in him are strengthened each day, becoming more like him. Then you set your heart, God, I want to know you more. Now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and love of God the Father and the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit of God be upon all those have gathered here in person as well as in online in online service. Be upon the whole church. Be upon in our